Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the sound of Steve Winwood means that the Packers began 2017 by reclaiming the NFC North title after a year vacation from being uh, rulers of this division, uh, this time going to Detroit and beating the Detroit Lions 31-24. to Matt, this is very satisfying for a number of reasons. Um, from where we were at the end of November when the team was 4-6 and six and it looked like there was no chance that they would be able to continue their consecutive streak of playoff appearances. But it was something else that was added to, and it was talked about last night by Chris Collinsworth, and that being... For as much as we complain on here, and I, I complain on Twitter, and we talk about all the time, and, and a lot of the heartbreak that Wisconsin sports teams has, have had in big, big moments, that pales in comparison to the heartbreak that our Wisconsin sports teams inflict on our division and conf, uh, conference rivals on a regular basis. The Lions having probably the biggest game in the history of Ford Field uh, that involved them, and they had the Packers right where they wanted them uh, with a chance to kind of step on their throat and end this crazy run, send them to Seattle in all likelihood to lose, and then uh, the Packers come out there and just methodically, like a, like Frankenstein or a zombie, just roll right over them casually and take the division from them. Yeah, it's got to be really depressing <laughs> to be a... I mean, yeah, the Lions, or uh, the Vikings and the Bears have had their share of these moments with us, too, and they've got to hate us, but I mean, for the Lions to not have won a division in so long, what, 23 years, I think? Yeah. And to have it right in front of you like that, and not even just yesterday's game, but for the last three, four weeks, it was yours, and to just completely lose it down the stretch, and I have a a hard time believing that they feel real great about being a wild card team today. Um, It's just, yeah, we just beat up on these poor teams, and as much as we do it to them, they tend to do it to themselves a lot, too, so it's not always our fault. We just get to be the benefactor. Yeah, that's fair. I think we always get to be the final nail in the coffin. But, yeah, Detroit, uh, there's nothing uh, in the game yesterday that made them lose to the Giants and Cowboys in the previous weeks. And that's just the way kind of the schedule falls. And, um, you know, they were talking about how Detroit had to play on Monday night and the Packers played on Saturday. Well, you know, that that kind of happens sometimes. And um, I, I can't say I feel too badly for them, but... Yeah, it's got to be something to be a Detroit Lions fan. And actually, the last time they won the division, they beat the Packers for it on, in week actually 18 in 1993 because there was two bye weeks that year and uh, were able to win the division. And then six days later, they had to play that same Packers team and lost in that legendary Brett Favre to Sterling Sharp throw anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> even when they did have their last sort of success, we were able to uh, have the last laugh anyways. Yeah, little did they know what that game would start going forward for the next two decades plus. <laughs> no kidding. I read this morning that yesterday the Packers uh, defeated the Lions for the 100th time, and they're the first NFL team to beat another NFL team 100 times in the history wow. of the league. Uh, Detroit has 68 wins in this series, and they tied seven times. So that's a pretty epic uh, one-sided uh, matchup between uh, longtime rivals. All right, so let's talk about this game in particular here. So it started off a little rough. Um, Both teams were held scoreless in the first quarter. Uh, Then the Packers come back and are able to uh, take a 7-0 lead with the Ripper, Aaron Ripkowski, is what uh, he's been dubbed by many different people. Uh, Then after that, the Lions kind of get their footing. They go up 14-7, and then Aaron Rodgers has a very subtly brilliant drive that gets them in position for a field goal, uh, makes a nice throw to Geronimo Allison, and it's 14-10 at the half. But um, that first half was strange, both teams almost seeming like they're or uh, uh, respective balloons had deflated knowing that they had both clinched playoff spots before the game began. Yeah, it, part of me was, I mean, I was rooting hardcore for the Giants during that game, but there was a small part of me, maybe like 25% of me, that was sort of hoping the Redskins would pull it out just so that game would mean more because we were looking forward to it all week and especially all day. I just couldn't wait. And then I think my balloon was deflated a little bit too because you know you're in either way. Um but it's always sweet to win the NFC North. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's still a lot on the line. It didn't seem like neither team felt like there wasn't anything to play for, but it just it didn't quite have that same kind of feel. So you like they, that they came out and still took care of business. I'm so glad that the Giants won because I wasn't sure that the Packers were going to win this given how much was on the line for the Lions. And that whole scenario that I described about them 
this being exactly what they could have wanted to get revenge for the Hail Mary last year and all the things the Packers have done to them over the year. 2014, um, the best team the Lions have had in a generation, and then the Packers beat them, and they still have to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs. So I, I, I wasn't sure the Packers were going to win, so it was a big sigh of relief for me that they were going to clinch regardless, but um, I think at first it just seemed like both teams were like, yeah, whatever, trying to feel each other out, and uh, maybe a I don't know, just like you said, maybe it's it's it has to be hard to keep that same intensity level when you know your playoff life is not really on the line. Um, and I think the Packers, once they were able to kind of um, get some confidence at the end of the first half and the second half, they absolutely dominated and uh, ended up outscoring the Lions uh, 21 to 10 in the second half. And the seven of that Detroit 10 was on just a complete fluke Hail Mary. Right. Yeah, it's I mean. To go back, I mean, six weeks ago, we could have never imagined that this team would have run the table after Aaron Rodgers said that. And the only possible way that was going to happen if Aaron Rodgers was somehow miraculously turned into his old self again. And he's back for the last few weeks, just absolutely apex Aaron Rodgers, just making insanely good plays. His athleticism was crazily enough. It looked 100% back last night. Yeah, what happened to that calf injury? Because it seems to have vanished. I, I don't the plays he's making in the pocket and you know for the last three years we were getting frustrated about him you know swirling around in the pocket and and trying to make these crazy plays and then taking sacks and nothing works all of a sudden it's working again he's pinpoint accurate he's making these tight window throws and he's running all over everybody it's like i it's hard to get you know too excited about this team in a potential playoff run but when you see 12 playing like that it's impossible not to because you know you have a chance no matter what yeah since if you even include the Washington game because in a loss he played really well um the last seven weeks Aaron Rodgers has 18 touchdowns no interceptions almost 70 percent completion percentage and over 2,000 yards passing uh since the Washington game so that's that could be enough to have won him the MVP. Although Matt Ryan played spectacularly yesterday um, in clinching their game, but yeah, I guess we can go big picture. So we can we can kind of drill down into this game. But it, it's basically the Packer team that we've seen all year, and uh, they have a, a good offense that maybe isn't as explosive as they were in the past, but can keep moving the chains. I heard somebody describe it as a possession offense, which is sort of what the New England Patriots have, where even though they're um, a possession passing offense, I should say. So they're they're constantly moving the chains and they're finding a way to convert on third down. And, and they might not have 40 yard passes on uh, every third drive or so, but they're getting 13 and 14 and 19 over and over and over again and just holding the ball for 12 plays. And that, I think, is going to bode well when you got to maybe play outdoors or you're going to play outdoors in single digits on Sunday and then um, perhaps having to play in bad weather in Seattle down the road. But uh, yeah, I I really don't know what to expect from this team because Aaron Rodgers is playing spectacularly, but on the other side, that's really all they have. They're they're so injured in a lot of places. The defense uh, has played better, but not well. And if you look at a team wide statistics, they're almost exactly the same team that they were in 2015. And uh, as Daniel Johnson brilliantly pointed out on Twitter yesterday. This team just happened to go four and six before going six and zero instead of starting six and zero and then finishing four and six. But they're essentially the same team statistically. Yeah, except except the Aaron Rodgers and the offense going into the postseason is way different than what we had last year too. I mean, even beating the Redskins, it was a very kind of mediocre offense. We just beat a not great other team. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I agree. The defense is banged up, but. You feel like they're just primed for a, another postseason collapse with that defense because even in these games we're winning, <laughs> at the end of every single game, they're allowing just a ton of yards and points and just it's kind of garbage time but kind of not really either because all of these games at times have seemed like a, a little scary. Yeah. And it just seems like these teams don't realize that if they just run no huddle and take deep shots throughout the entire game, they could just have whatever they want. Yeah. And they just don't seem to do it until like right at the end, and I'm I'm sure it has something to do with the defense we're playing too at the end. But it's just this defense seems bad, but they'll make a stop just to allow a field goal here and there, or you know a punt at at our forty. It's just they look like they can just get gashed at any time, but just still somehow seem to at least shut you down a little bit. Um, I, I, maybe yeah. that's all you need. I doubt it. I mean, we've talked numerous times about how good of a defense you need to win a championship, and ours doesn't seem to be quite that, especially with the injuries. But you never know. If you can have a, a legendary offensive performance, if they can hold teams under 
you know, 28, you might have a chance. Yeah, and, and people have said that for years, but it's not, it's, I don't think it's true. Um, so, real quick, they gave up, or they scored 45 more points than uh, they scored in 2015, and this year they gave up, or they scored 44 more points than they gave up. Uh, the only difference is last year they only scored 368 points and gave up 323, and this year they scored 432 points but gave up 388. So last year they had uh, number 12 scoring defense but just the 15th scoring offense. This year they had the fourth best scoring offense, which is encouraging, but the 21st scoring defense. So the the margins have been the same, but yeah, maybe it's you feel better about this team that the offense is cooking, and that's certainly going to scare a lot of people, especially now that there's not a lot of... Um, you have Seattle's defense isn't quite the same with Earl Thomas out. The Giants have a really good defense, but their offense is pretty terrible. And so you you feel like in this playoffs with these five teams that you're playing that a team with a great offense maybe has a better chance than they would in other years. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think normally if you were to, you know, this team run into have to go into Seattle or something like that, I, I think you definitely don't like your chances. But there's weirdly enough like no great defenses left in the playoffs and so you feel like your offense can kind of negate whatever differences between your defense and theirs is because I don't think although you're not great are you really that much worse than at you're definitely not that much worse than Atlanta's not that much worse than Dallas or you know New York's maybe the best in the NFC field at this point even so yeah. I, I don't know I just you feel like Aaron Rodgers and what this offense is doing can definitely compensate for whatever you know your defense is lacking against these teams yeah I think though I'm inclined to agree with your first point that if there was ever a Packer team that's designed to have an epic painful collapse in the playoffs it's this one and I had that thought today thinking about what I what I expect from this playoff run because I asked that question on uh, Facebook and I almost had this sense of dread come over me like what crazy terrifying heartbreaking way are they going to figure out to make us miserable this year that we haven't seen yet like is it going to be a 30 point lead that they blow or 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 what is it going to be is it going to be blowing a 14 point lead with uh 20 seconds left like they I was worried they might do yesterday <laughs> you just feel like you, you like their chances with Aaron Rodgers and you and you want to be po- positive because the rest of the field is so weak but um, I still would be lying if I said I believed this year would end with a championship. I'm more confident that it could this year versus last year, but that doesn't mean I think it's likely. Right. Yeah, and although you maybe feel like the overall field is weak, you look at your potential road, you get New York, and um, they're playing well. You get either Atlanta or Dallas, and then you probably get the other one of those in the championship game, followed up by you know, Pittsburgh or New England. So it's although the field might not be that strong, you're not going to, get to unfortunately play Houston or anything like that. You, you don't uh, think the Raiders are going on a run with Connor Cook? No, probably not. It would be nice if they just split up the whole conference thing for one year and just kind of mix and matched all these teams up so we got to play some of those teams. <laughs> it seems like this is such a strange season. Like, the AFC playoffs is pointless because New England's going to the Super Bowl and Pittsburgh and Kansas City are really their only legitimate challengers and they're going to play each other, but I feel like... The way Pittsburgh, I know they're really hot lately, but the way they play, like, would you be surprised if Miami beat them like twenty-four to fourteen on Sunday? No, it, not at all. And in Kansas City, their entire mo of their history is having a really good record and a first-round bye, and then losing the first game anyways. I'm sort of half expecting that to happen too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you think that Pittsburgh or Casey could maybe beat New England, but. This is really the first year I can remember that a conference has three teams that you're absolutely sure has no chance of, <laughs> yeah. of of winning a Super Bowl. It's always just Houston lately, or just there's one bad team that sneaks in out of the AFC South. But it's just like, you know Miami and Houston and now Oakland have zero shot at winning a championship. But it just, this first uh, round of AFC playoff games feels really pointless. Yeah, and I, I know we're all over the place here, but there's kind of a lot to talk about, and um, right now I think the the most interesting conversation is what we think is going to happen to the Packers, and uh, so here's one question I wanted to have. It doesn't really matter now because it, what's done is done, but um, we were talking back and forth at the beginning of the game as to whether or not it would be better to play the Giants or the Seahawks, and granted, you always want the uh, the home game, but I guess on a neutral field, who would you rather play right now? 
Uh, neutral, I'd much rather play Seattle, which is weird. Um, but they've looked so bad these last handful of games. They just barely beat San Francisco. They lose to a bad Cardinals team. They get blown out by us. I think neutral field, that's that's the pick. And I may even still prefer that matchup to New York just because, I, I don't know, New York's offense is pretty rough. And uh, but they still have those receivers that scare you, and their defense is playing very well. So I think if I had straight up, you know, choice Giants at Lambeau or going to Seattle, I'd maybe pick the Giants by a sliver. But yeah, um, I I don't know neutral field. I think this is probably a prime Giants year to win another Super Bowl. So uh, I don't know. This just feels like a year they could go on a run. The team is the defense is good. The pass rush is good. It, it just everything on that defense is rolling right now. I'm. So I'm pretty scared. I just feel that offense is so bad. Like if they went to Atlanta or something, if they had to play Atlanta, they're going to get blown away because even if their defense plays as well as they possibly can, I I just don't think they can score enough points to beat the Falcons. Um, although, oh, I'm looking at 2014. I, I almost said that they beat the Falcons this year, but I wanted to see what the difference was. So the Giants, when they last went on that run in 20. 20- 11. They had the number nine scoring offense and the number eight total offense in the NFL. And in 2007, they had uh, 14 and 16 in points and yards. And this year, I don't even think they're close to that. Um, yeah, sorry, this is great. Me looking at stats. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're 26th in points, 25th in yards. Ooh. So they're number two in defense, so that can help. But that's a really bad offense. That would be about the worst offense to ever win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's true. It's it's just hard to fathom when you look at the talent that you feel like they have there at least. But I, I think, I don't know, they just turn the ball over so frequently. And I guess not to, to give picks or anything early here, but you just – you hope that that's the kind of offense that our defense tends to do pretty well against is is one that just makes mistakes because our our defense gives up yards galore, but they're they are prone to make some nice big plays and turnovers. Yeah, at the fifty thousand uh, foot view, I think you would like to play an offense like the Giants because, as you said, they're they're pretty one dimensional. They have like one good player. Um, they got a couple other nice complementary pieces, but it's all about Odell Beckham. But who, once you go down to the individual level and you start talking matchups, who the hell's going to cover Beckham? And our zone defense has been terrible for five years. I mean, you've seen, that's how the Bears got back in the game with Matt Barkley, who, um, contrary to Matt's hopes, it, Matt Barkley can be added to the Cade McNown category yeah. of Bears quarterbacks. <laughs> Matt thought was going to be good, but um, they let them come storming back, and I have no idea how they're going to cover Odell Beckham. Yeah, it's definitely going to have to be a group effort, but I think the nice thing about playing the Giants team is you can do that. I mean, if you put, you know, say, Demarius Randall on him and just put Clint Dix or, or Morgan Burnett over him the whole game, I think you can kind of get away with that for once. Um, because, yeah. like you said, he's basically it. I mean, Sterling Shepard's had an okay season. They can't run. They don't have any good, good tight ends. I mean, that's basically it. If you can shut him down, they don't have an offense. So I, I think this is the game that you definitely lean towards doing something like that. Well, and the offense on the Packers' side, if they can continue to not turn over the ball and hold on to the ball for a long time like they have during this win streak, then um, maybe you force the Giants to try to play a little bit more up-tempo and take some deep shots, and they haven't been very effective at that this year. Right. So um, I guess we'll save our picks to the end, but um, some kind of historical things that we should mention is the Packers made yesterday, uh, clinched their eighth consecutive season of playoff football. Uh, that puts them in rare company. And uh, for Mike McCarthy himself, for a head coach, the only other head coaches to take uh, the same team to eight consecutive playoff appearances are Chuck Knoll, Bill Belichick, and Tom Landry, which once you start getting into those numbers, like legitimately, is McCarthy another Super Bowl run away from serious Hall of Fame consideration? I mean, it sounds ridiculous when we were going to uh, be okay with this guy getting fired a few weeks ago. But when you look at that resume, granted, he's doing it by going to the wild card round every year, which doesn't lend itself very well to championships. But when you when it's all said and done, it's going to be a pretty impressive uh, run with McCarthy. And the fact that he did it with both old Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, I think, helps his cause a little bit. Yeah, and that, I mean, that also can seem to be the thing that people hold against him, too, is you feel like you could throw anybody in there at head coach with those guys, and he'd still be making the playoffs eight years in a row. Well, but, Bill Walsh won all those Super Bowls with Matt Cavanaugh, right? And, and you know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's true. I mean, you get the credit for it, but I, 
it's tough to imagine a you know a guy with two Super Bowls not being seriously considered. But you have a lot of head coaches nowadays that are really close to that, like John Harbaugh, you know Mike Tomlin. If they win one more, are they Hall of Famers? I don't know. <laughs> I guess they have a bunch it, of seven and nine seasons, though. That's that's true, and and we've been much more consistent. So. It, it's tough. I mean, it, we're so much into the middle of his career, I think it's impossible to really say at this point. But I, I guess you consider him at this point, but there's there's so much to go. I don't say, you know, I wouldn't say he's a lock or anything. No, I wouldn't say, I guess I wouldn't say he's a lock. I don't even think he's in consideration unless he uh, uh, wins another Super Bowl. Cause, but right, he, yeah. He's almost, I guess he's sort of like Holmgren, but then Holmgren had those really terrible years in Seattle. Like, what, they went 6-10, and 10, I think, in, in 2000, and some of those other years, so it it's really, um, McCarthy has been very strange because he's been maybe the most consistent coach outside of Bill Belichick of, of the last like 20 or so years, um, but he, it's so weird because they're always going like 10 and 6. Yeah, he's like, he's kind of like Tony Dungy in a sense, except he's not going to have the, uh, the post-career media career so I don't he's not going to get helped by that you know yeah. so Dungy was going winning 10 games every year make the playoffs every year one Super Bowl um, that's a great comparison that's probably the, but, the only one close to him but McCarthy does not have that personality yeah well I I don't think Tony Dungy's good at all on TV but <laughs> yeah I would agree with that uh, you know people love him why because he seems nice I don't know yeah, that's. I, I, th- I think I remember hearing something about he's like the most trusted man in sports or something like that a couple of years back. He just seems like everybody's dad. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fine. I, that doesn't mean I that. agree. I can't stand him either. <laughs> he kind of seems like an idiot sometimes. He's one of those coaches like Brian Billick. You kind of just wonder like yeah. how they got the job done. Well, he's better than Brian Billick because Tony Dudgy seems to be like, here's what I think, but eh, I don't know. And and Billick's like, here's definitely what I think. The Miami Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl. Like, he just has terrible opinions, but he's absolutely yeah, sure about Brian it. Brian Tannehill, there's no chance of getting <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, so this has been the most random version of the podcast ever, and I, I guess I... I'm not quite sure why. I'm. I think part of it is I've been watching a whole bunch of college football today, so I kind of forgot a lot about the Packer game yesterday. And you, you, it's hard to look back once you've reached the playoffs. You just kind of want to look forward. But it's the weirdest field ever, and I'm not really excited about any aspects of the playoffs outside of the Packers uh, potentially having a chance to make a little bit of a run because the AFC playoffs is a mess. There's not that many great teams in the NFC. It's. I don't know. I. I feel like this is the least excited I've ever been for the playoffs. Yeah, thank God we're in it because if this was a you know a neutral year where you're just sitting back and watching the postseason, it would be just absolute garbage. But I, I think our game is by far the best game in the wild card round. Yeah, I guess I'm sort of looking forward to Detroit Seattle, but Detroit's just been so bad lately. Yeah, um, I don't know if they even have a chance. I the, the division round games might be pretty decent, but. I, I kind of wish that we didn't have to wait to be the last game of the whole weekend here to just wait for our first good game. I feel like the rest are going to all be kind of trash. Well, I kind of like when the Packers are last because you, I don't know, for me, when when they lose like the first or second game, it That's makes true. me bitter and I don't want to watch the other ones. But um, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I don't even know. But like imagine it could be a really cool second round where you'd have Seattle against... Atlanta and then Green Bay and Dallas or you could have Detroit against Dallas and the Giants at the Falcons and then that's just going to be a total disaster from a viewership standpoint and the AFC if Pittsburgh goes down my god that game against New England is going to be either New England against Houston Oakland or Miami like what (laughs) the hell yuck And the best of those three is probably Miami, and they couldn't even stick close to them with you know New England having nothing to play for at all. So I can't imagine that goes well. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, New England just—I I guess New England did have to win to hold off the Raiders, but I don't think anybody in the world thought the Raiders were going to beat Denver with Matt McGloin. Right. Um, yeah. So if Miami beats Pittsburgh, the second round would be Miami at New England, and then either Houston or Oakland at Kansas City. Ugh. Like that's the grossest. Playoff yeah, round in history. Ugh. Okay. Well, um, let's go to the, some of the Facebook comments because clearly we need help staying focused here. And I asked, uh, the Packers reclaim the North and Rodgers makes good on running the table. Oh, before we get to that, so I know you are not a big R-E-L-A-X fan. Are you worried about the run the table talk uh, going to take over for years to come? Yeah, I'm once again pretty annoyed by this. It just like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was the fact that they did it is unthinkable. And the fact that he said something, I get it, that 
I guess at that point and they turned it around right then was pretty pretty amazing. But I mean, when you listen to the actual interview, he just kind of says it in passing, and it's just something that you really expect any player to say. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can run the table. We're good enough. He's, he didn't say we are going to run the table. Yeah, you no. know, it just it's super overblown once again. So it's just it's funny how it lined up with when it actually happened. But I guess the statement itself wasn't that amazing. Yeah, I agree with you completely, and I'm glad you said that because I I really wanted to bring that up. And it, I like it from the aspect that it shuts up idiots like Skip Bayless and uh, Colin Cowherd and all these guys that think Aaron Rodgers is just this abysmal leader. Like, we've criticized him and we think he can do better, but it's it's not like a lot of the, the chirpy, jerk kind of stuff that Aaron Rodgers does is Tom Brady to a T, and they never get on Tom Brady for that. Um, you, you know, getting suspended for four games is not exactly the best leadership either. For um, But anyways, so I'm happy from that regard. But like you said, the interview was like, they're like, well, what do you think is going to happen? He's like, oh, I feel like uh, we could run the table. And even yesterday when he was explaining it, he just said, I felt like everybody was still bought in and nobody had lost faith in uh, Mike McCarthy or lost faith in themselves. And so if we got a win, I felt like we could get momentum and, and we could handle adversity better, I think is... Um, almost the direct quote. And so, yeah, he didn't put the Joe Namath like, yeah, we will win all of our games. It was like, yeah, what what else is he going to say? Nah, seven and nine tops. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Corey Bend responds to how far do the Packers go in the playoffs. He said, hopefully beyond this week, I have tickets for Sunday's game, so they'd better put on a good show for me like they did for the Bears in October. I think we'll beat the Giants and head to Dallas. The Lions aren't beating Seattle, and if you're hoping to get that, or hoping for that, get those thoughts out of your head right now, and that's probably the end of the line. Beating the Cowboys on the road off their bye is going to be a tall order. Atlanta has a much better shot against them in the championship game than we do in the divisional round. 538 gives us a 66% chance of beating the Giants and a 5% chance of winning the Super Bowl. I think those figures are pretty much on the mark. So, yeah. I gotta say, I like, I I think the perception of Seattle is way off right now. I I know that they've been this team for so many years, but they've just been—they haven't been that this year. They've just their offense has been so bad, and their defense since they've lost Joel Thomas has been a disaster. I just—I yeah. don't think Detroit's any good, but I don't think that <laughs> you know people who are just writing Seattle and the, the divisional round have been paying much attention to the last few games because they've been just as bad as Detroit. They've just happened to stumble across a much easier schedule, and they've still lost some games. Yeah, lost to Arizona. And, yeah, the only game. Oh, I was going to say the only game they won. But um, so they have alternated wins and losses for the last six weeks. They lost 14-5 to to Tampa Bay. They crushed Carolina, who stinks. They got destroyed by the Packers. They beat the Rams, who wouldn't beat Western Michigan right now. And then they lost to the Cardinals on a last-second field goal and uh, beat San Francisco by two points. And I, I that has to be the closest margin. Oh, no, San Francisco beat the Rams by two one point the week before. But yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I think maybe this might come from more of a lack of respect for Detroit than Seattle because they have no running game. Um, although what's his name did okay yesterday. Uh, I can't even remember his name. Zach Zenner. <laughs> um, but I, I think their, their only dimension is Matt Stafford and he's injured. So I just think it's the fact that Detroit is probably a six and 10 team masquerading as a playoff team. Yeah, I would completely agree with that too. I just, I, I'm not, buying into Seattle anymore than Detroit so I think to me that game yes yeah, Seattle's probably the favorite but not by much but um I mean to that point I mean, our Packer fans and maybe I'm off here our Packer fans rooting for Detroit though I guess I I don't know I'd almost rather play Dallas than Atlanta at this point I think just because of the matchup I I think Dallas has been the much better team but I just I don't know I just I don't like our matchup against Atlanta at all um I guess it depends on I don't know as a fans as a whole I think everybody's kind of on cloud nine and when you you either get I don't know it's it's really hard with comments and I was trying to look at some comments beneath some of the places I go and uh, everybody just kind of seems to be in celebration mode right now and so um, everybody's feeling like hey, it's wide open field and we can win it all and I, I tend to share that sentiment within reason but um, I was trying to decide this yesterday because Atlanta I feel like you could outscore them but it's hard to imagine a game going any better than it did back in October and you still lost by a point. Um so I I I feel like 
maybe what happened in October is your absolute best game plan against Atlanta, and you lost on a last-second touchdown. On the flip side, Dallas beat them very decisively, and granted, the Packers were quite a bit different, but I, I, I guess I can't decide how good I think Dallas is right now. Yeah, which I guess seems unfair, but it's the old adage that, I mean, usually a team that hasn't done it before and has rookies does not go and win a championship right away. Yeah. And I think the only reason we're not buying into it, even though they're beating the pants off everybody, is just because they're they're new to the scene and they're the Cowboys and we don't really trust them yet. Whereas I you know, I think maybe that's all I'm holding on to other than the fact that basically everything is banked on their run game and if you can just hope to sell out and stop that, you have a chance. Whereas I don't see any way they stop that Atlanta offense. Well, Dallas is, right now, they're... 23rd in passing yards, 26th in passing yards allowed. So Dak has been incredibly efficient, but he hasn't had to do much. And granted, I don't know if there's a run defense that can really slow down Ezekiel Elliott in the NFC, but if you have a few turnovers or sometimes run games just go sluggish, <laughs> um, you know, maybe, well, they're not going to have any bad weather because they're going to be at home the whole time, but I don't know. You could see a situation where if they're not running the ball well and then you have to lean on Dak that they could lose to a Packer team 23-17 to 10, or, uh, 23-17 or 23-20. And certainly Atlanta, if Atlanta's offense is cooking, I think they could leave Dallas in the dust. Yeah, well, and I think if, you, if you're if you the Packer team that gets up on Dallas by two touchdowns, you negate that running offense a little bit. You've got a great chance. If you get up on 14 on Atlanta, I'm still scared to death that they're going to put up 40 on you yeah. at any point in time, and that almost doesn't mean anything. So I guess that's my, my logic. Yeah, I would I would agree with that as well. Um, all of this conversation, though, is assuming that the Packers beat the Giants, and rather be, rather than beating around the bush, um, uh, Corey Ben thinks we'll beat the Giants and then we'll lose to Dallas. Um, and let me read Daniel Johnson's comment, and then we can go to uh, what we think is going to happen in this game. Uh, I think. Daniel Johnson says, I think this week against the Giants will be tough. I know we beat them earlier this season, but for both teams, it seems like a whole new team will be playing in this game. The Giants also always play us tough at home in the playoffs. I think Dallas the following week will be tough, and that's where the road ends. If we won that game, we'd be playing either Atlanta or Seattle on the road, and that wouldn't be easy either. I really don't see this team beating Dallas or Atlanta slash Seattle on the road, so it will end in the divisional round, hopefully without the heartbreak of last year. I know that people will talk about the Lions collapsing, but they had to finish the season with three tough teams. The Giants didn't look good their last two games games, but they were both divisional games on the road, so it's almost like those should be thrown out because they'll always be tough games. Uh, Seattle is looking bad, but I think that they'll still beat Detroit. It was gr- a great regular season for the Packers with uh, going 6-0 down the stretch. Rodgers led the league in touchdown passes and Nelson and TD receptions, and nobody really noticed because we were so concerned with winning games uh, that we weren't uh, concerned about stats. And he has some other stuff that we'll talk about later, but um, and that's a good point. I didn't even mention that. Rodgers, 40 touchdowns. It's the first time in, in, in his career that he's led the NFL in touchdowns. Jordy Nelson led the t- NFL with uh, 14 touchdown catches. Devontae Adams uh, with 12 touchdown catches. He finished with 997 yards. So I feel kind of bad for him there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Corey and Daniel both reluctantly think they'll beat the Giants. We've been kind of beating around the bush. Um, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Yeah, same boat as them. I, I Even since we've been doing this show and all day, I've been waffling back and forth. Um, man, it's tough. I just, I'm going to pick the Packers, and I think primarily because we're on a, just a small podcast and nobody cares what I pick, I'm going to pick the Packers. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not confident at all. It's probably a 50% pick. It's definitely a toss-up, but I, I don't know. With our defense so banged up now, and now Quentin Rollins out, not that he's been playing good, but now you've got one of his backups in there, and you just... You don't know what you can do to stop this offense. You just hope that the Giants' offense continues to be bogged down and Aaron Rodgers puts up another show. So I'm banking on Aaron Rodgers to get it done for him and they somehow find a way to win. I'm going to agree with you, and I don't really know why because I'm, I don't know how they're going to cover Odell Beckham. I feel like he's going to play like Plexico Burris in that 2007 NFC Championship game that he's just going to get first down after first down. Um, and... It, you let those other two games influence you, even though they're years ago. They're, other than Aaron Rodgers holding the clipboard, there's nobody that was on the Packers that lost the 2007 NFC Championship game, and there's probably only a handful that lost in 2011. So it doesn't have a whole lot to do with it, and I think they mentioned yesterday that Victor Cruz and Eli Manning are the only Giants to have ever won a playoff game at Lambeau Field. So it's been a really long time, but... If Aaron Rodgers loses at Lambeau Field again, I think he'll be three and four at home in the playoffs. Like that's abysmal. 
like you would think that at some point you have to start winning playoff games at home if you're going to be the league MVP or if uh, you're ever going to win another championship. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it, you know, although although these Giants teams are way different, there's still that Warlock number ten back there at quarterback that just makes it in the playoffs every four years and somehow manages to work his way to a Super Bowl and just play phenomenal when the I guess when the lights are on. So it, I, he's played bad all year long, but I just I'm terrified that all of a sudden he figures it out because that's just what he seems to do. Yeah, I know. Um, three and uh, two and three. Aaron Rodgers will be if uh, they lose this game at home Yuck. at Lambeau Field. So, and their big wins were over Joe Webb, and then the actual legitimately good win against Dallas in uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm I'm sort of worried about Eli, but I don't know. It's he can't do it again, can he? <laughs> he sure can. <laughs> I think that's what people thought on their second Super Bowl run. So I'm not putting a third one past him. But that defense even made this defense look good. I mean, that was just the crappiest defense in history with yeah. the number nine um, offense in the NFL that the Giants had. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned, but I guess as far as your thoughts about the big picture where this franchise is going, if they were to lose to the Giants, uh, how would you feel about this season and the state of the Packers? Well, you get the nice win yesterday that it's, although they these seasons always seem to end in heartbreak, they are always giving us one good NFC North memory, it feels like, every year. So you've got that to hold on to. I, our expectations were lowered so much halfway through the year that I think you feel okay. But we say this every year, yeah. and then, you know, it, it's they find some way to just absolutely crush your soul. So I think, <laughs> at this point, I think losing to New York would be a, a major disappointment, and it would really hurt, and it would make me think of this season not too fondly. I think if you win this and go into next weekend and lose, I think you feel pretty good about it, because that's what you expect, but I think you you can't lose at home to a Giants team like this, and I, I think you got to take care of business, or it's a major disappointment. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I don't want to go overboard, but uh, we're a small podcast, and I can, and that's been my ammo since we've had this whole damn thing but I, I'm almost of the opinion that if they lost to the Giants after the momentum that they've built and how bad that Giants offense is if they lost to the Giants at home especially if it's like a 17-14 game or something like that I will be convinced that this team with Aaron Rodgers they should not fire Mike McCarthy under those circumstances, but I'll be convinced that this Packer team will never win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. If you are 2-3 and three at home in the playoffs, and you've lost in the first round several times, and it, it that, the fact that they've played poorly in the playoffs, combined with, I'm thinking about how good Aaron Rodgers is. But then you look at guys like Matt Ryan is a getting a first-round bye for the third time in his career already. Nobody thinks that Matt Ryan's anywhere close to as good as Aaron Rodgers in the grand scheme of things. This is the third time that he's had a first-round bye. Aaron Rodgers has only had a first-round bye twice in his career, and one of them was one and done. Um, Now, granted, Matt Ryan's done that same thing too, but the reason Tom Brady can have the same stats as Aaron Rodgers, and it's not all Rodgers, it's part of the team as well, but... Because Tom Brady wins 12 or more every year. Aaron Rodgers seems to be stuck at 10 or 11 wins. And we talked earlier in the year or in the offseason that 12 wins, on average, is what you need to be a team with a bye it, since they added the, the bye weeks in the history of the NFL. And so it, this is kind of a longer, uh, it's a, a combination of things. But if you lose at home again, and the fact that you've had so much trouble in recent years getting to 12 wins, I just I, I feel like I'm going to lose hope that we're in the Sherman era of the Aaron Rodgers career. Right, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, this team decides to never play as well in October and November as they do in the first and the last month of the year, and it it's nice going into the playoffs with momentum, but it sucks that you never get a bye and you never get that second-round home game after getting a chance to rest up a team that's always injured. Um, and that's a killer. Like you said, you, you can't do put Tom Brady stats up and do Tom Brady things if you're playing the wild card round every single year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's tough. This is a super winnable game. It's at home. It's against a team you expect to beat, and you should beat with how you're playing lately. So a, a loss here would hurt. 
Yeah, for sure. And then and then you legitimately can start to say that maybe you can go win a championship, but you got to get out of that first round. Uh, but even so, this is a point, uh, a pet peeve that I always have. And I know the guys that are on Fox NFL Sunday and that are on Football Night in America and CBS, they are trying to hype games as much as they are trying to analyze them. They want you to watch the Raiders against the Texans on ABC, even though any sane person would probably not be that interested to watch that. But they always talk about, all, all you got to do is get in. Remember the Giants and the Steelers and the Packers? Yes, I do remember all those. They're almost the only teams in the history of the league to have done that. Um, when they were talking, I saw somebody on Twitter was talking, uh, the Seahawks are playing so badly, I would rather go to Seattle and then win three road games and go to the Super Bowl again like they did in 2010. In the 134 teams... That have played in the wild card round since 1978 when the wild card game was instituted. Four of them have ever reached the Super Bowl. Um, or teams that were uh, five and six t- uh, seeds. Teams that had to win three road games. So there's only been four teams in the history of the league to win three road games and get to the Super Bowl. So the Packers are already one of those teams. So you're going to ask them to catch lightning in a bottle two times? <laughs> like, that just seems ridiculous. Like, if you win the lottery, you don't expect to win the lottery again. And um, the what was the other stat? I, I don't have all these combined, but um, fifth and sixth, let's see. So on both sides. So the fifth and sixth teams, on average, 80% of them are gone before the conference title game, and of the third and fourth seeded teams, 84% of them are gone before the title game. So this win-and-see-what-happens mentality that the Packers' entire um, mantra seems to be built on is a flawed premise. Win-and-get-in is a nice narrative to get you to watch the wildcard games. Uh, win, get a buy, and go to the Super Bowl is the time-tested correct method to win championships yeah and i think it's been all chalk the last three years right i think it's been only first round by teams that have been in the super bowl so it's been recently and forever like you said it's just what works obviously play one last one last game and you get more home games your odds are clearly going to go up yeah the niners in 2013 are the last wild card team to even play in the in the conference championship game Mm. so um yeah, so I, I don't mean that you should completely lose hope, but this idea that, oh, you just get in and then you can ma- do some damage, it, it's not built upon any kind of strong statistical basis. Most teams that are in the wild card round lose in the divisional round. Um, it's, it's something ridiculous. I wish I had the actual number in front of me, but the home team has an incredible record in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um. Okay, so then let's get to uh, Daniel Johnson had a couple other questions for us here. So please talk about Dom Capers. Keep it within one score no matter what defense. That was in quotes. Uh, who do you, Oh, so th- there's another question after that. So um, we already talked about this a little bit, but uh, I made a comment on Twitter, and I think Corey Ben said that he still wasn't ready to um, say that he wants Dom back next year, and I think you've echoed the same thing uh, throughout this winning streak. And... Uh, yeah, the way that the defense has played in the second half the last few weeks has me very nervous. And I, I think it's I'm not nervous in a, in a sense that I'm any more nervous than I have been. It's just that, um, yeah, that defense stinks and uh, can't hold a lead. I don't. There's not a lead large enough that would make me feel comfortable about them being ahead. Yeah, I agree, and it, you feel sort of bad for them, but it's it's not like you know we've had this before with a full roster of guys, and it's still been pretty bad going into the postseason. I guess so. I I. It's the clear, obvious, weak link of this team right now. Everything on offense is clicking, and your defense is just horrible. And even the front seven, which was good for a while, now looks pretty bad, too. So, yeah, I I definitely wouldn't be surprised if he's back, but this defense playing so poorly, you would wonder if maybe if there's a GM change, if if they can't make a head coach change, they might make a change there. Yeah, and I don't think they should make a head coaching change now, you know. No, they won't. Yeah, they won't. But do you think they should? Oh, no, I, I... I think. Sorry, I was misinterpreting. I just wanted to make sure you kept saying they won't. I just wanted to make sure that you also thought they shouldn't. No, I was not implying that they should. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, yeah, even a fifty-point loss here. There's no way Mike McCarthy's gone after that. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I great. He made great adjustments down the stretch. I feel a lot better with him going forward now after we saw him make some changes. 
And I suppose we should address the elephant in the room that I've forgotten about, and there's reports all over that Ted Thompson is seriously considering stepping down after this season. And we had had this discussion earlier in the year, and maybe for the entire existence of this podcast, is this team's constant level of slight underachievement, um, constantly being a 10-win team, which is nothing to sneeze at, but you're not going to win a whole bunch of Super Bowls starting from the wild card round, as we just talked about. Um, we were really going back and forth when we were texting yesterday, and I seem to think... I, I was more worried about Ted stepping down than you were. Um, does, is that still truthful today, having thought about it for about 24 hours? Yes, not too worried. Not too worried, huh? Not, not worried. Okay. <laughs> I just don't know why. I think... Um, I know all of his assistants have done well, but... Um, yikes, I just don't know if... Uh, I don't know. I'm so weird. Maybe I'm giving Ted too much credit. It's... I just wonder, they're going to probably replace him with somebody in-house, and it's like, well, do you want the guy who drafted Dayton Jones or the dude who told Ted Thompson he should draft Dayton Jones? But it's it's always the final say guy, too. I mean, yeah, that, that does scare me a little bit that they're hiring somebody internally, to be honest with you, a little bit. But I, you just, if Aaron Rodgers isn't out there what he's doing right now, this team is, what, five? Five at eleven, six and ten, or something like that. I mean, yeah. they're they're so lucky. And granted, he did draft him, so that's that's kudos to him. That was a great pick. But other than that, I mean, you roll through this defense even when fully healthy, and it is not a very talented bunch. And um, I don't know. I, I like the offensive line. They've constructed that well. We've had issues with talent at receiver and, and tight end throughout the years, and it, it just you look at like the linebacking core and the front line, and it's just. There's just so much gaping holes there. This team just doesn't feel that talented, I guess. I don't know. I mm-hmm. I feel like if you can keep Aaron Rodgers around and maybe try something different with putting better pieces around him, maybe you have a better chance. I'm I'm not 100% saying I I think he deserves to go or they're going to be better without him, but I just I guess I'm still ready for a change. Yeah, and I think that is fair. Um I guess mine is just the general, people are talking about Elliot Wolf, and, you know, I know his last name's Wolf, so that makes everybody feel great and and everything, but even Ron Wolf, I mean, they've both been spectacular. I think it's hard to not compare him to Bill Belichick, who every fourth-round pick ends up going to the Pro Bowl or leading the league in sacks or something, It's but that's not the norm, and, and Ted's done great, and, you know... Elliot Wolf is his dad was is a Hall of Famer and and he's been with Ted Thompson for years and years. But I just have a hard time believing that uh, they're sitting around in the draft room and they're like, "Hey, you should draft KJ Wright." And he's like, "Nah, Alex Green, he's the pick." <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there's just been yeah. there's just been so many high end busts. It, you like the work they do in the middle fair. and late rounds, but it's just. The high picks that could have turned this team into a much better team right now are the ones that they're struggling on. And they've built this offensive line through mid-round picks, and they've put a lot of depth with undrafted free agents and getting those guys, which he's great at. Yeah. It's just these, these top picks are almost always not hitting. That is actually a really fair point, and he's done a really good job of finding those diamonds in the rough, but he wouldn't have to if his first-round picks weren't... Well, that's, that's not true, because you still need depth and stuff, but... Um, He's had some really he's gotten amazing value out of his day 2 and day 3 picks but his top of the draft guys since Clay Matthews um and you could throw Jordy Nelson and Cobb he's good at drafting wide receivers no matter where he gets them but a lot of those other guys especially on the defensive side of the ball uh, maybe the biggest uh, indictment against Ted Thompson is in 2012 when he wanted to rebuild the defense, he drafted almost exclusively on defense. And outside of Mike Daniels, that entire draft was almost a complete bust, depending on your opinion of Nick Perry. Yep. Okay, so let's go back to Daniel Johnson here. What do you think the NFL team slash regular season award winners should be? Um, so NFL MVP, a uh, lot of people going for Aaron Rodgers right now. Where do you stand on that? I know you said last yeah. week you didn't really care, but um, I want your opinion anyways. Yeah, it's not like I'm biased at all here, but I'd, I'd go with <laughs> Rodgers as well. But I, I think if you look straight up, um, he's got better numbers than, than Matt Ryan does. His team got an extra win, so I guess how much weight do you place on that? But I, all of the numbers really lean in Rodgers' favor, and the, what he did down the stretch I think sticks with people. So I I think he's got a pretty darn good chance, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I heard, I don't know, you wonder if they are just tired of giving it to Brady and Rodgers and that they'll give it to Matt Ryan uh, just because. 
I mean, he almost had 5,000 yards. They're one of the highest scoring teams in history. They had 540 points. But but then also, I think it's really hard to not look at that he has Julio Jones and he has one of the better running backs in the NFL and his backup running back is maybe the best backup running back in the NFL. So it's, he's got a lot more help than Aaron Rodgers or even Tom Brady does. Um, but then Brady, what a 28 to two was his touchdown interception ratio this year, which is just unbelievable. Um, although prior to that, I think the two record holders of touchdown interception ratio were like Steve DeBerg and um, Nick Foles or something like that. Yeah, so. and Nick Foles had only two that one year. But I, I just think to me, you can't put um, Brady in the yeah. conversation because if if you're going to compensate for him missing those four games, his stats have to still be comparable, and then he could win it. But yeah. I mean, he's he's played great, but you still miss four games. You can't miss a quarter of the season, in my opinion. And be considered with a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan that played the whole thing because you never know what could happen in those four games it's just not fair yeah I think that's fair and gosh I can't even remember now but it will be and I think the voting is due on Wednesday so it's it's not going to play that much of an effect but the their potential opponent in the second round of the playoffs lost 27 to 0 to the New England Patriots with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback yeah. So I think that could potentially hurt him a little bit. Um, as far as the other awards, I guess I don't really know. Um, Defensive Player of the Year is always so tough. Um, I feel like that award is kind of a popularity contest anyways. I don't even know if there's anybody that really stands out. Yeah, I've, I've got to be honest. I don't know really the – I know the sack leader is Vic Beasley. Yeah, which um, is I, weird. I, yeah, which I – you. I don't think he'll win, but you never know. I, I don't know even know who's leading the league in interception and tackles at this point, so it'll probably just end. And J.J. Watt's gone, and, and I don't think Luke Keekley had that great of a year, so that one's pretty wide open. What if they give it to one of the Kansas City guys, like Peter or Barry or something like that? Yeah, Eric Barry would be a good one. Yeah. Um, so maybe they'll do that, because I don't know. It feels so weird with that. It almost always goes to a big-name guy. I mean, very rarely do they give it to somebody that you've never heard of. And it's just that offensive player of the year, it's usually some receiver who had a bajillion yards. So I think that if a lot of people might vote for Aaron Rodgers as the league MVP, and then we'll either vote Matt Ryan or per, perhaps Julio Jones as the offensive player of the year. Or, or actually, Zeke Elliott will be offensive Zeke, player of the yeah. year. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think they're going to – him and Dak are probably going to split their votes. And it seems like for years they would give the quarterback the MVP and then offensive player of the year would be a running back. So um, I guess that's what I think there. Uh, what do we think of the network slash broadcasters? Which do we like the most? He gets so annoyed by some guys that I just watch the games on mute and have YouTube videos playing in the background while the game is on. Um, so this is appropriate to talk about this week because it's one of my favorite little quirks in the brand new NFL playoff schedule is that each of the four broadcast networks get a playoff game. So in one weekend, you get to hear the number one lead commentators for uh, Fox, CBS, Sunday Night Football, and Monday Night Football. And, I mean, you can go for lesser guys. Um, like, I really like that Ian Eagle, Dan Fouts team. I think they're pretty good. And Kevin Burkhart and John Lynch might be the best tandem right now in the entire NFL. But uh, I guess, I don't know, what do you think of some of the mainstream guys? Who who will you not mute this weekend of the four big wig groups? I think CBS is the only one that I just absolutely can't stand. I think the others are pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about Chris Collinsworth's voice that always irks me. I don't know what it is. It's not that it gets him. I think he's a pretty good commentator. I just can't handle his voice. But Al Michaels is awesome, or if it's Mike Tirico, whoever yeah. ends up being on there. But um, Fox is always good, and I I love Gruden. So even if Sean McDonough's kind of an afterthought, that's good too. So I just I can't handle CBS. Sean McDonough like reacts to Gruden like if it were a video game and they weren't actually like hearing each other's lines and they had recorded them separately before the game <laughs> began like it is just the most bizarre thing to watch like I I wonder if they'll make a change after the season because I, I think McDonough's a really good play-by-play guy but him and Gruden just have like anti-chemistry like it's like they're not even in the same room they don't react to each other right um I yeah, Sims and Nance we talked about earlier. I don't like them at all. I wish I would have wrote them down, but Chris Collinsworth said some stuff yesterday that was just so stupid. And I watch Sunday Night Football most weeks, but by then I'm so like drained on football that I'm usually um, messing around on my phone or have it muted and I'm listening to music or something. 
And so this was like the first time in a long time that I actually listened to what he was saying. And I just like, my opinion of him was so much lowered yesterday. And I don't think it was anything egregious, but it was just all of these little points that he was making that just didn't even make any sense. And so I, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of them, although I agree with you that I really like Al Michaels. And then, um, I think. How about when he said how much he loved Eminem last night? Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I, I missed that. So it was well. super uncomfortable. He like made a point about it. He's like they were talking about like all the artists from D- Chris Collinsworth started talking about. He's, and Al Michaels was like, I love Eminem. It's like, <laughs> I bet he's probably just knows like the "Lose Yourself" song and has no idea. And if you heard some other Eminem songs, he'd probably be appalled that he said that because he's just like such an old guy trying to be cool. <laughs> I don't know, Al Mike. Are you talking Al Michaels or Collinsworth said that? Yeah, Michaels. Okay, I could see though. Al Al seems like he'd be a cool old guy a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. I do really like Bucket Aikman, and there was a cool thing yesterday. So when the uh, Giants beat the Redskins, the uh, Redskins tried some crazy throwing around Hail Mary thing, and the ball was a backwards lateral that the Giants scooped up and scored. And Joe Buck and Aikman are buying time while they're coming back on the field to kick the extra point for some reason. And Joe Buck just goes, I wonder what Al Michaels would be talking about right now, or something to that effect. And Troy just starts laughing, and it's kind of this – Subtle joke because Al Michaels, you're not allowed to talk about gambling or you get fined. And Al Michaels will always find a way to cleverly comment on point spreads and different things relating to the betting line, especially late in meaningless games. And so I thought it was kind of a cool nod by Joe Buck to acknowledge that uh, Al Michaels is sort of known by uh, for that. <laughs> I never noticed that. Yeah, you'll have to uh, pay attention in preseason games if you make it that far with a random preseason. I don't gamble enough, I guess. Well, he'll always, um, he'll have something random, like it'll be a preseason game that's a two-touchdown score, uh, but they're getting close to the over-under, and you'll hear uh, hear Al Michaels saying, um, you know, this might be the third preseason game, but uh, everything's on the line for some people at home right now, or, or something weird like that. Um, and then Daniel Johnson is said he's getting deployed soon, and last time they went on deployment, the Packers won the Super Bowl and had to miss the game, so this might be the Packers' year if you're into superstitions. Um, I, I I guess so. I guess I'll just say uh, good luck, Daniel, and I, I hope uh, everything works out for you, and uh, thank you for your service. I, I guess I don't have anything else to add to that. Yeah, nicely done. Um, and then we'll talk about the schedule after the season, uh, Daniel. You posted that stuff on there, so I'm still worried about uh, the wild card round. All right, this has gone on really long, and it's probably not been very good. We're just trying to find something to talk about with this really strange playoffs uh, coming up here. But, Matt, let's real quick pick this really weird first round of the playoffs with three of the worst first-round games I've ever seen. Um, And it starts on Saturday with probably Connor Cook and the Raiders at the Houston Texans with maybe Brock Osweiler. Yuck. Uh, um, I guess I got to pick the Texans. I, at least they have that really good defense, and the Oakland without that offense doesn't have much, and they looked really bad yesterday. Um, I don't know how I can pick them. So I, I'm, I'm cheering for Connor Cook to figure it out and somehow put the Raiders on a run here, but I I think that uh, Derek Carr was the glue that held them together, so I'll go Texans, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I feel really bad for the Raiders uh, to have a 12-win team and then your quarterback breaks his leg. And as we've talked about with Aaron Rodgers, getting to 12 wins is really hard. And even if Derek Carr is young and going to be good and in this league for a long time, there's a reasonable chance that he might never get back to 12 wins. And if he does, it only might happen a couple other times. So I I feel really bad for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, the night game is the Lions at Seattle, a, a matchup of two teams that are playing pretty miserable football right now. Yeah, and I, I guess I'll pick Seattle. Um, I think it'll be a close game. It might end up being kind of a good game, I guess. Um, I'd like to see if Theo Riddick's going to play or not. I haven't heard anything yet on that. I think that makes a big difference, but uh, I'll pick Seattle at home. I thought they said during the broadcast that Theo Riddick is on IR now. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't know if he was going to play yesterday or not, and I saw him in street clothes, but I didn't hear him mention anything about that. So that's a huge blow to them. I think that I'd definitely lean towards picking Seattle. Yeah, I think Seattle's going to win this game, and it's probably going to be like one of the worst playoff games in history. Like I'm, I'm guessing like thirteen to, to nothing <laughs> or something like that. But I'll pick Seattle. 
The Sunday afternoon game will be the Miami Dolphins at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And quietly, Miami had been really hot uh, going into the end of the season. Uh, But then yesterday, they just got obliterated by the Patriots at home. And I know maybe the Dolphins didn't have a whole lot to play for, but they were made to look pretty bad. And um, I think Pittsburgh will probably handle them pretty easily. I don't know. I think sleeper-wise, I'm going to pit pick Pittsburgh, but I think sleeper-wise, this could be a really good game. I feel like you might see a lot of offense. Um, I don't know. The Dolphins have got some explosive weapons, and the Steelers obviously do too, so I, I, I'm i hoping the Dolphins keep it close. I obviously want Pittsburgh to win just so we don't have that garbage round of divisional round games, but I think this one could be pretty good. I'll pick the Steelers, but I think it might be good. Yeah, uh, St- the Steelers' run defense is not the, the best, and their defense as a whole hasn't been as good, so maybe uh, Jay Ajayi can get things going but and and Landry's been okay with Matt Moore and Matt Moore hasn't been horrible so you never know but um Pittsburgh's white hot too they had this uh, four game losing streak almost the exact same time that the Packers had and except they didn't fall to four and six they only fell to four and five and haven't lost since um although yesterday they rested their starters against Cleveland to try to keep the team healthy and I thought what about the mental health of a team that loses at home to the Browns yeah (laughs) Like I, that seems to be the worst way to try to carry momentum into the playoffs. Yeah. All right, and then the Packer game. We both uh, expect the Packers to win. What kind of score are you thinking? Man, this this is a tough one. It feels like one of those games that's going to kind of start like last night and maybe just be like three to three or seven to seven at like halftime, and then you might see some points put up. Um, I'm I'm going to say I think like around the I can't even put put together a score like. <laughs> Maybe like twenty-seven to twenty or something like that. I think fairly on the lower side. Um, yeah, but uh, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, the first game was twenty-three to sixteen, and I think that's probably pretty close to what I think this game's going to be. I'll say just to to change it up, I'll say like twenty-four to seventeen. Uh, pretty much the same spread, but I expect that to be um, about what's going to happen. Um, so. Uh, you didn't get a chance to see the uh, Cotton Bowl at all today, did you? I did not. Okay, so um, we won't talk about it too much, but the Badgers were able to beat Western Michigan 24-16. to They took a 14 to nothing lead earlier in the very early in the game. It looked like they were going to blow out Western Michigan like they were Akron or something on a random Saturday in September at Camp Randall. But then they kind of clamped down, and it was really weird, like a lot of lucky bounces kind of keeping Western Michigan in the game. They had, were holding the – I hate to be that guy, um, although I am that guy a lot. They were holding the perimeter edge rushers of the Badgers the almost the entire game, and I think only got one holding call, and that was late in the game. Um, they were up 24-10, to 10 and then kind of a Hail Mary nut pass on, uh, I think, fourth down where with less than two minutes to go um, – made it 24 to 16. They missed the extra point and then the Badgers were able to get it and run the clock out. But um, the Badgers may be the only Big Ten team that actually won. Uh, as we speak right now, Penn State is down 42 to 27, I believe, according to Google. So um, I guess you didn't see the Badger game, but uh, maybe if you want to comment on them at all or the Big Ten performance as a whole. Well, I haven't watched too much of any of the bowl games other than the New Year's ones, and those were not real entertaining. So I... I my uh, motivation to watch these games is pretty low right now, I guess, especially <laughs> and, uh, the Big Ten performing so poorly on top of it doesn't help at all either, I, th- I think. But I guess way to go, Badgers. If you're, you're the standout team of the conference, maybe it helps with recruiting a little bit. But yeah. um, I don't know. My After the, they lost the Big Ten championship game, my motivation to watch these bowl games is, is pretty low. Yeah, and I don't blame you there. And I, I feel bad for the Big Ten because I think they're going to get slammed for how poorly they've played. But then... Michigan played Florida State in a neutral site game in Miami, and Iowa lost a neutral site game against Florida in Tampa, and now Penn State's losing a neutral site game to USC in Los Angeles. I mean, you would love to see Penn State play USC in a neutral site game in Pittsburgh, and uh, maybe Michigan play Florida State in a neutral site game at Ford Field, and then see how different some of these matchups are year in and year out. Um, And yeah, the the bolt the bowl oh, I can't even freaking talk today but the 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 bowl schedule um used to be I used to love all the bowls and I'd watch all the bad ones and I'd look forward to the BCS and and the, the whatever the New Year's 6 bowls that they're called now 
but the college football playoff has pretty much ruined those for me in a lot of ways. And then I don't know if there's been one good game in the college football semifinals in the three years they've had so far. Yeah. Um, they're just abysmal. Uh, I don't know how you fix that. Uh, maybe add more teams, but it's just been kind of weird. It's been a weird college football postseason the last few years. Okay, so let's wrap this up. And uh, so the Packers play the New York Giants at Lambeau Field on Sunday. Uh, hopefully they can continue this run, and um, we'll just see what happens. Um, I guess anything is possible with this team right now with a, a good offense, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. I guess we could have just said that, and this whole show would have been about eight seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you want to interact with this, uh, please do so on the Facebook page, Green and Gold Forever Podcast. Uh, you can tweet at us at Green Gold Forever. Also, download the iTunes podcasting app and follow Green and Gold Forever on there for our newest episodes. Also, you can download the Podbean app and get complete uh, access to our archives all the way back to 2012. So that's fun to do as well. So for Matt in Altoona, I am Eric in uh, Appleton. Hopefully this is just the first of many playoff games to come in January for the Green Bay Packers. Take care, everyone.